morning. If you'll turn with me into your Bibles to Hebrews. We're going to be looking at, I have to look up there, Hebrews 2, 14 through 18, because I brought the wrong program up with me. <laughs> uh, my words are going to sound a little different than yours, because I'm reading out of the New Living. So if you want to follow along in your Bible, that'd be great. If not, you can look up at the screen. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil, who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. We also know that the Son did not come to help angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people, since he himself has gone through suffering and testing. He is able to help us when we are being tested. May his word bless us this morning. The scripture that was read to us uh, from Hebrews, I will refer to it this morning, but also just wanted to share with you uh, another verse that really ties all this, all of what was read in Hebrews 2 together from Hebrews 4 that says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and may find grace to help in time of need. So this morning, what we're focusing on is the fact that we do not have uh, a high priest, as the scripture says, that when we pray, when we say, Lord, this is what I'm going through, he does not turn around and say, I have no clue what you're talking about. You know, we've all had conversations where that's just what happens. You're talking about something. We think people know what we're talking about. And then they look at us and say, you know, I'm sorry. I have no clue what you're referring to. Can you imagine a God that, would, that that's what would happen with us? There's a great quote that I want to share with you uh, about how Jesus, even right now, is praying for you and praying for me. He is, our, he is our high priest who goes before his father for our behalf. He is our advocate, right? Jesus is our advocate. The devil is our adversary. But this man said, if I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Yet distance makes no difference he is praying for me. Uh, and so we are reminded today that when you think that you are alone, you're not. He is praying for you. 
There's a great reminder of a man that was walking down a road alone and he fell into a hole. After being in the hole for a while, he began to yell for help. It wasn't long after that a doctor passed by and hearing the man yelling for help, he took out his notepad and pen and wrote a prescription for him and threw it in the hole and kept walking. A little while later, a psychiatrist walked by and began giving advice to the man on how to get out of the hole. As he continued to yell for help, he heard footsteps and they stopped at the hole. And next thing you know, someone jumped in there with him and it turned out to be his friend. And the man said, what are you doing here? Now you're stuck in here like me. I've been in here for hours and I can't get out. His friend smiled and said, it's okay. You see, I've been down here before. Just follow me. I know the way out. Jesus sympathizes with us. He knows what we go through. I want to share with you in this message several scriptures that tell us that Christ lived the same life that you're living. You see, in our society today, there's many potholes that we can just fall into. Maybe they're not physical, but there are potholes such as loneliness, discouragement, abandonment, fear, anxiety. The list could just go on and on and on. We fall into these potholes very quickly, and before you know it, it seems impossible to get out. But you see, the Scriptures teach us that we have a friend, better yet, we have a high priest that has been down this road before, and he knows the direction we should take. He wants us to know this morning that you don't travel alone. He's felt the same emotions. He's been tempted in every way. Sometimes we think, man, am I psycho or what? Some of the things that go through my head, some of the temptations that I have, how dare as a Christian that I have these thoughts and yet the Bible says he has been tempted just as you are. You see, you're not alone. You know, I saw this thing uh, this morning on Facebook. It said, it was a man that said, this is how I say goodbye to my dog. And here's how I say goodbye to my wife. And it shows him for minutes petting the dog and patting her on the head. And then he walks by his wife and gives her the peace sign and walks out the door. And I thought, okay, I'm not alone. I do that. I tell my, my dog, I'll see you later. I love you. I'll be back. And I tell my wife, see you at the office. So I'm not alone. I felt good to know I'm not the only one who probably makes their wife feel like I don't love them. Uh, that, was, that was a joke, by the way. Uh, but see, we, we know, we've, we've gone through these things, and the temptation is Jesus doesn't really get it. He really doesn't know. How can someone who lived 2,000 years ago know what I'm dealing with now? Well, it's because the Bible says that he has, and he does. The writer of Hebrews, we don't know who wrote it, it doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit saw fit that it was in the Scriptures. It, he, he or she, by the way, assures us that Jesus Christ, our high priest, knows what we face. He lived in this world so that he would be, quote, in, uh, in Hebrews 2.18, able to help those who are being tempted. My apologies, I have a 
problem with my throat, so I'm, I'm, uh, I have a cough drop in my mouth. Hebrews 2, 14 and 18, again, since we are flesh and blood, you know, and I love this, it actually says he's not here to help angels. He's not here to deal with them. He's here to help us. To, the reason he had to be made like his brothers, the scripture says, in order that he might become merciful and a faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to make those who are being tempted. He is able to bring comfort to you. Have you been suffering? Are you suffering now? I would remind you he's been there. Have you been misunderstood? He's, he was, Jesus was probably the most misunderstood person to ever walk the face of the earth. Have you been tempted? He's been there. In fact, I've never had Satan himself tempt me, I don't think. Jesus did. And he was tempted multiple times. You had any struggles in your family? Maybe you wish Family Feud was a game show. He's been there. We're going to look at the scriptures that remind us of these truths, not just from what I'm saying to you. Many years ago, a book was written called Next Door Savior. And it really teaches that all of us, that for all of us, Jesus is really next door to us in terms of he knows exactly what we go through. We do not go to a God who is oblivious or doesn't know what's going on. The author of that book said, are you poor? Jesus knows how you feel. Are you on the lowest rung of the social ladder? He understands, right? None of us, when we walk through, none of, nobody bows their head. Maybe if you're, you know, maybe unless you're at home and maybe you're the king or queen of your house. You ever felt taken advantage of? Jesus paid taxes to a foreign emperor. Maybe you feel like you do too, I don't know. Ever feel as if you need to get away? So did Jesus. Mark 1.35 says, Early the next morning, while it was still dark, Jesus woke and left the house. He went to a lonely place where he prayed. You know, it's interesting that it doesn't say he went to a secluded place. or he went, It says he went to a lonely place. The author goes on to say, ever had so many demands that you can't stop for lunch? Now that's busy when I can't eat. But Jesus can relate. Mark 6.31 says, Crowds of people were coming and going so that Jesus and his followers did not even have time to eat. Do you have too much email? Too many texts? Too many messages? to fit in a screen, or too many calls to make. Now you may say, well, Jesus didn't have email. No, he had people in his face constantly. Matthew 15, verse 30, great crowds, excuse me, great crowds came to Jesus, bringing with them the lame, the blind, the crippled, those who could not speak, and many others. They put them at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. I just had a conversation before the service about someone, uh, people who work in a facility where people can't talk to them, but they have to meet their needs. You see, do you get the idea Jesus is not far off from what you deal with even today? He can sympathize. 
To paraphrase Hebrews 4, 14 and 15, the great Eugene Peterson put it this way, Now that we know what we have, Jesus, this great high priest, with ready access to God, let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with reality. Don't you love that? Jesus is infinite. And He's not out of touch with 2022. He's not out of touch with what you see in social media or what you hear, uh, you know, or what you experience. Peterson goes on to say, He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. Contrary to popular belief, Jesus is very much in touch with reality. The Bible says that He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. When the stock market takes a dip, it doesn't bother Him at all. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the Bible says. You know that Jesus never attended a funeral because He'd always have them raised from the dead. It was a reminder of who He is, who he, who he was and who He is today. You see, the truth is, yes, we have technology. But in their time, they had the greatest technology that they knew of. Right? So for us today, we may say, oh, but we're so far advanced. They were so far advanced from a different culture. You see, not, nothing has changed. People are no different now than they were 2,000 years ago. Look at what he did. It says that great crowds came to Jesus, bringing with them the lame, the blind, the crippled. Now, you may say, well, yeah, well, nobody brings those to me. Yes, they do. We just, we just don't say lame and crippled. We say depressed. We say, uh, you know, maybe in extreme circumstances or, you know, mentally unstable or a, a million definitions today. And we are bombarded with helplessness, even our own brokenness. And we say, God, do you see all of this? Yes. Yes, He does. People still struggle with the same issues and sins as they did then. Remember the demonic man that was cutting himself? See, we, have, we just have specialized names for that today. We say it's self-harm. And yet this man was cutting his, his, his arms because of the demons, and Jesus went to him and healed him. We have different names, but it's still the same thing. You have tension in your family? Maybe your family is like Dallas. Now, some of you have to Google what is Dallas, but I think you know J.R. Jesus' own siblings thought he was insane. Mark 3, 21, when his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said he is out of his mind. Have you been falsely accused by someone? The greatest, most unjust trial of all time was when Jesus was put on trial. It says the chief priest in Matthew 26 and 59, the chief priest and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. They weren't looking for evidence. They were looking for false evidence. 
One of the, I'll just share with you, one of the rules that they had was that no trial be done at night. Multiple trials were done at night. You ever had a friend that let you down when you needed them the most? Jesus had a few of those too. In fact, when he needed his friends the most, the night before his crucifixion, Matthew 26, 40 says, uh, then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you stay awake and watch with me even one hour? One uh, songwriter once said, I've been crucified, I've been uh, sacrificed by brothers, crucified by lovers, and through it all, I've withstood the pain. Maybe you're unsure of the future. Who's not? Jesus was. Now, you may say, hold on now. We're talking about Jesus. But when the, the, when the topic of discussion was on the last day of history, Matthew 24, verse 36, Jesus' own words, he says this, No one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. Now, again, how can Jesus be the Son of God and not know something? Well, if He chooses not to know. And He did. Look at Philippians 2, 6 and 7. I'll read it to you. We know, these, we know this Scripture very well. Being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made Himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness, now, if you went back to the original language, the phrase made himself nothing literally means he emptied himself of all of his glory. He emptied himself of everything uh, sovereign, all-knowing. Jesus couldn't, when Jesus was on earth, he could not be everywhere all the time. Right? So that also means he was not all-knowing during this time. It could be possible to say that while Jesus was on earth, He chose not to be all-knowing and all-present. Why? So that we would have a high priest that we could say sympathized with us. Could, could someone who knew everything sympathize with you or me? No. We would be on such different levels, it's, it would be impossible. And why did He empty Himself? So that when we go into, when we fall in the potholes of life, when we go through anxiety and discouragement and fear and abandonment and loneliness and all the other multitude of issues that we deal with on a daily basis, he could say, follow me. I've been here. I know the way out. It's so easy for us to think I'm the only one that has, done, has dealt with this. No one else. And what's the song? No one has seen the troubles I've seen. That's not true. Hebrews 2.18, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, you can also say tested. He is able to help those who are being tempted, who are being tested. You see, sometimes for us as believers, temptation is not go do something bad. Sometimes temptation is stop believing. Give up. What does it matter? Throw your hands up. Who cares? Satan would tell you, Jesus doesn't care about you. Satan's 
battle plan, if you will, has been the same ever since Genesis 2. Did God really say? Jesus says, I've been there. Jesus says, follow me. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am what? Gentle and humble in heart. And I will give you rest for your souls. Jesus has been there. The message again paraphrases it like this. It's obvious, of course, that he didn't go to all this trouble for angels. You know, it's, it's interesting. If you do a study on angels, uh, they don't have free will. They're made to worship God. You're not. We choose to worship God. And we do not realize the amazing free will that God gives us. That he says, you can worship me or you can worship something else. Now, the consequences are still there. But you can choose. You can fall in love with his prompting of the Holy Spirit, his provenient grace that calls to us, draws out of us, or draws to us, calls to us. And we can say, yes, I want to worship, but he'll never force you to worship him. So it's a reminder, Jesus didn't come to earth for angels. Angels can't be saved. It was for people like us, the message says, children of Abraham, the seed of Abraham. That's why he had to go into every detail of human life. Stay right there for a moment. Every detail. You see, some things that I've gone through are totally different than what some of you have gone through. And yet Jesus could say, well, I understand him just as much as I understand you because I've been through every detail of life. Then when he came before God as high priest to get rid of people's sins, he would have already experienced it all himself, all the pain, all the testing, and would be able to help where help was needed. As I speak, he is praying for you and for me. Maybe the more I speak, the more he's praying. But you see, what I'm getting at is whatever you're facing, he already knows. You know, it's just like when a kid comes to you as an adult and says, you know, well, why is this going on? And, why the, and, they'll, and you explain it and they'll say, well, how do you know? How do you know that that's what happened? And you'll say, because I've, I've been, I was a kid. You know, we, we just magically think as, as children that our parents... The minute we saw them, they were adults. They've always been adults. And then we, grow, then we find out, no, they've been through life. They've experienced things. That's why I can go to them and they can help me. You see, it's no different with us. We can go to Jesus, our brother, who is praying to our Father and saying, Lord, help them. And he does. In 2003, 20,000 people ran through the streets of San Antonio raising money for breast cancer research. Many of them ran out of kindness, happy to log three miles and donate a few dollars to the cause. A few people ran in memory of a loved one. Some of them ran in, in honor of a cancer survivor. They all ran for different reasons. But there was one runner. She was more passionate than any other. Because as she ran, she wore a bandana over her head, over her bald head. 
Dark circles shadowed her eyes. You see, she had cancer. She was dealing with the very disease that some people had no idea about. Many of them ran out of kindness. She ran out of conviction. You see, she knew how cancer victims felt. She was one of them. Jesus understands what we go through. You know, we have tried as hard as we can to theologically make Jesus wealth so deep. And, you know, he, he cried because of the unbelief. And he, what if Jesus cried because he lost a friend? What if it's that simple? What if Jesus wept because he loved those people who were like his family? So that when you go to a funeral and you lose a loved one and you weep and you cry, we can say Jesus understands. Now, I don't have the power maybe to make somebody raise from the dead, but what if really that whole Jesus wept was he was one of us? He understood what it was like to lose someone. Hebrews 4.15, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same temptations we do. I've asked the song be played at this point, it's, and unfortunately, I don't know why, but it's not in our new songbook. But it's a song that you know. It's, called, it's, it's not a song, it's a chorus, and it simply says, He knows. He knows the storms that would my way oppose. He knows, He knows, and tempers every wind that blows. You see, when you turn to Jesus for help, He runs to you to help. He knows how you feel. Just like earlier when I talked about the story of the friend of the man who fell into the hole. Jesus has been on this planet. We celebrate it every Christmas. But here's the thing. that Here's what Christmas and Jesus and all is truly about. There's no way we could go up to God. But we celebrate that He came down to us to live like us. So let's sing that chorus. It's just simply, He knows, He knows the storms that would my way oppose. He knows and tempers every wind that blows. Let's sing together.